0: Hello and welcome to the New Zealand Initiative's podcast. My name is Oliver Hartwig and today we are joined by Dr. James Kirstead. Hi, James. Hello, Oliver. We want to talk about your latest research note. It's a follow-up to a piece you wrote last year and it's called When the Bloat Began. It's about non-academics in our universities in New Zealand going back to 1961. You're covering the period of 1961 to 1997, and you look at what happened in staffing numbers at New Zealand universities. Now, I think that time frame alone requires a bit of an explanation. Why did you look into this period?
1: Well, basically, in our report, what we showed is that in New Zealand now, the majority of staff at universities are non-academics rather than academics. So we showed that that was the case now, and we showed that that was the case going back to 2012. At that point, we kind of ran out of data, because the data up on the Ministry of Education's excellent Education Counts website only went back to 2012. Thankfully, our colleague Bryce Wilkinson then pointed out that there are these statistical yearbooks, or official yearbooks of Statistics New Zealand, that actually went back much further. And they go back all the way to 1961. And that enabled us to sort of continue our search for the point at which non-academics overtake academics at New Zealand universities. So you're
0: doing effectively what George Lucas has been doing with Star Wars. You're doing a prequel. Pretty much,
1: yeah. <laughs> so the yeah. prequel to the report last, because last mean, year. Because last year, actually,
0: what we founded in the report last year through your work and research was that New Zealand has among the least academic universities in the Anglosphere at least when it comes to academic employment. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, I think your idea behind this current research notice to figure out where did that all come from? Was this a 1980s neoliberal reform period thing, or did that go back even further?
1: That's exactly right. So, yeah, we're doing what George Lucas did, maybe a bit more exciting and a bit sexier, and about, you know, numbers in academia and the numbers of non-academics and academics. So, yeah. In a galaxy um, far, far away. In a galaxy far, far away, that's right. So what we actually found is that New Zealand has the highest ratio of non-academics to academics in all the English-speaking countries we looked at. We didn't look at Ireland, but we did look at the United States and the UK and Australia. So a natural question is, why did that come about? And part of that, I think, is when did that come about? And one popular theory that we've heard is that when you had these market oriented reforms in the late 80s, universities then had to hire more non academics because there was sort of more to do because they were independent. And that doesn't seem to have been the case. At least our data from the official yearbooks doesn't necessarily support that story. Because what we see in the year when non academic numbers overtake academic numbers is not a huge expansion in the non academic staff. What we see is actually a very striking fall in the numbers of academics. And that's not what we expected at all.
0: Okay, let's take these two questions in turn. So the question, the when did it happen and the why did it happen? So when was the year when non-academics finally took over? 1991. 1991. And until then, academics
1: were always in the majority. That's right. And you can see that we have a pretty graph in our report where you can see that the number of academic staff is always slightly ahead of the number of non-academic staff, which I think you'd kind of expect because universities probably should have more lecturers and professors than other staff. And then suddenly, as I say, in 1991, you get the sudden drop. Why in 1991?
0: Is there any hypothesis? I mean, 1991, I remember as the year of the first Gulf War, was also
1: the year of the mother of all
0: budgets, I believe, for New Zealand. Did the budget situation actually have anything to do with it?
1: Possibly. So one explanation that occurred to us, a very kind of easy explanation, was that these things were simply relabeled. So part-time academics may simply have been relabeled as full-time, in which case you'd see that drop in the numbers of part-time academics. But that doesn't seem to account for the scale of the drop. So part-time academic numbers went down by nearly 2,200 in 1991, and the full-timers only increased by less than 200. So that's not accounting for it. All right, so the second possibility is that universities were basically scared by the government's announcement in 1991 or 1992. They would be reducing tuition subsidies gradually, basically in return for allowing universities to set their own tuition fees. And then because of that, maybe the universities thought, oh, no, we're going to have this sort of reduced income from the tuition subsidy, so we're going to have to look around for savings. Oh, what can we cut? One thing we can cut is academics, and particularly part-time academics, because maybe it's seen as less painful to cut the part-time academics. And that might explain why the part-time academic numbers fall, but not why full-timers see their numbers grow. Okay. So if they're really desperate to make cuts, it's kind of weird that some of the categories actually grow in numbers. And then a final possibility is that part-time academics just become a riskier proposition because of changes in labor law. So we've actually talked to a lot of senior academic colleagues, professors emeriti at universities across New Zealand, and they remember that something odd happened around that time, and universities felt a lot of pressure around part-timers. It seems to be the case that at some point, part-timers, universities were expected to hire part-timers on a full-time basis after they'd served several years in succession. And because of that expectation, or perhaps even requirement, universities thought, oh, right, we're going to have to shed all these people because otherwise if we keep them on for too long, we're going to have to pay a lot of money to keep them as full-timers. Okay. And so they got rid of a lot of part-timers for that reason.
0: But the fact is it was not a bureaucratic takeover. It was actually something completely different. It was the universities feeling some pressure and then thinking about, so who do they get rid of? And they didn't get rid of the bureaucrats. They got rid of the academic staff.
1: That's exactly right, yeah. The part-time academic staff in particular.
0: What was the situation like before when you're going back over the decades, back to nineteen sixty one?
1: What was the ratio back then? Um, I don't remember the exact ratio, but it's you know, academics are in the slight majority, and obviously that means non academics in the slight minority. So we have another graph which shows the percentage of non academics as a percentage of the total staff at non New Zealand universities at New Zealand universities through this period. And basically, you know, they're, they're always slightly below the 50% line. So non-academics are, you know, 45, 46, 47% of total staff. And then after 1991, they pretty much jump up to what they are now, which is sort of in the 50s, possibly in certain places hitting the high 50% of total staff. So 91 was a watershed moment for universities. What was the development
0: like since?
1: Well, really, it's in terms of the ratio of non-academic to academic staff, the picture isn't that dramatic. I mean, there hasn't been that much change. I think, if anything, the number of non-academics has changed slightly. I think the ratio has increased slightly. And it has increased to a different extent in different places. And we showed that in one of our past policy points where we actually plotted the non-academic to academic ratio of different New Zealand universities. So, yeah, things were sort of reasonably stable before 1991, and actually they've been reasonably stable since as well. And that's also the case in Australian universities, actually, over the past few decades. The ratio or the percentage of total staff that's taken up by non-academics has remained actually sort of strangely insistent. So this
0: current research note, was that just a piece of historical curiosity, or do you draw any lessons from that for today?
1: Well, I guess the main thing is is just to try and look at all these competing reasons of why we have so much bureaucratic blow, because it's important what you sort of blame this on. If you think it's a problem, and we do think it's a problem, then what caused it? And so one candidate for having caused this is the market-oriented reforms. We don't think that the market-oriented reforms caused this, because, as I say, that explanation doesn't really seem to add up, because, well, at least the explanation that market-oriented reforms led to an increase in bureaucracy, or it led to universities taking on more non-academic staff in order to deal with certain types of accountability. That doesn't seem to wash. However, one thing I should add at the end is that we also spent time in the report looking at the composition of non-academic staffing at New Zealand universities, something we also dealt with on the earlier full report. And that also tells an interesting story, which is basically that before 1991, the kinds of people who were non-academics at New Zealand universities, whether they were technicians or librarians or administrators, the proportions of those remain amazingly stable. So all the way through the 60s and 70s and 80s, the proportion of librarians, the proportion of IT workers, et cetera, remains incredibly stable. Even though they kind of relabel the data, we were able to take equivalent categories, and it looks very kind of boring, nothing really changes. After that, and especially as you get into the mid-90s, the late 90s, and the 21st century, it's much more dynamic. And that's something we also looked at in our full report, and we showed that what's happened in New Zealand universities in the 21st century kind of mirrors trends in other Anglophone countries which is basically that universities have been offloading blue-collar workers, technicians and librarians and ground staff and outsourcing them. At the same time, they've been hiring lots of managers. So the sort of class composition of non-academic staff in universities has changed greatly. And so that may actually be a process that was sort of set in motion by the market-oriented reforms. But we would need to look more deeply into that.
0: Now, we've got an amazing audience for this podcast and many listeners who are probably extremely knowledgeable when it comes to these matters. Are there any gaps in your research? Anything that you would like to know from someone who was part of the reforms maybe 40 years ago that you would still like to have answered? Are there any questions open and left?
1: Yeah, actually, surprisingly, I mean, because we asked, we reached out to quite a number of, you know, more senior professors, people with rich experience of New Zealand academia, and a lot of them told the same story. They were saying there was something to do with part-time academics around 1991. There was a legal change. We've looked all over for the actual law. we looked in various laws for the actual bit of the law, which might have said that. We can't pin this down. So we're still kind of looking for the smoking gun as to what caused this. So if anybody knows in more detail exactly what went on in the law, in labor law, with regard to universities in this period, we'd be very happy to hear from them. So fantastic. So if you're in your 70s or 80s
0: listening to this podcast and you have any idea what caused any of these developments, you can find James's address on our website. But for now, thank you very much for this research, for shedding more light on what actually happened in our universities. And should we hear from any of our listeners and get more source material, I think we can look forward to the next prequel to the prequel.
1: Yeah, we hope there will be a series almost as long as Star Wars. In a galaxy far, far away. Thank you, James. Thank you, Oliver.